Hey, miserable bitches. We are back with another episode of Misery Manor. My name is Cody. My name is Emily. <laughs> Before <laughs> we get started, make sure you leave your manners at the door, okay? No. people of your dreams did you miss us did you miss us emily's been gone i've been gone because of work has been fucking crazy and then i'd take this medicine that made me super tired yeah she had bruises on her legs from itching yeah it was bad it was like little bitty bruises look painful did they hurt it was no it just hurt my feelings oh well yeah we don't want that well um i've been i was dealing with a nosebleed Last week, I had one while I was entertaining some clients for the first time. Scratched my nose a little too hard. Blood started pouring out at the fucking lunch table. I was so embarrassed. And it was raining really bad that week. Remember last week? All the rain? Oh, yeah. So the lights were flickering. What restaurant? Flower Child. Oh! Oh, it seems like it would be really well lit in there. And I would not like that with the nosebleed. Yeah, so then... Like, if you were, like, at Postino's, I feel like it would be dark enough. But then a big blood clot came out, which is good, but it was still embarrassing is that it like was on my napkins. I had ice all over my face trying to restrict the blood. Did you clean your hands? N- no. Well, you're still at the fucking table blowing your nose. Well, I was more worried about the table than my fucking hands being clean. I mean, my nose. Huh? I was more worried about my nose than. Oh, but like, what if you guys were sharing hummus or something? We weren't. Oh, we okay. each had, and oh, we had already ate too. Oh, you had already eaten? Yep. Was it just you two? No, there's four or five of us. Oh, my gosh. And I had never met any of them, so that was cute. But she actually emailed me afterwards. She was like, you have such a kind and sweet soul. Like, never change. No, like, she oh, t- She really did. I'll show you. I was like, don't worry. I'm not going to change. So People say the same thing about me. So, meanwhile, this whole weekend, I was so terrified because I don't like blood. I know. Um, I can't look at it. I can talk I about it. I just can't look at it. Yeah, but so, you can watch stuff with blood. Yes, I can't see it in person. Yeah. Especially nosebleeds. What are you doing down there? Nosebleeds are my least favorite. Like, I mean, yeah, because that's mucus, which is disgusting. Yeah, so... Have, but you've never seen period blood, and that, my friend, is disgusting. Well, why don't you show me? I don't... I mean, my periods are not I that bloody. But, know. like, you can have clots come oh, out. Like, you can feel, like, oh, dissension. Oh, I know. So, yeah. So, think about that just out of my nose. So, yeah. And every time I take a shower, like, if I mm-hmm. rub my nose too hard. Yeah, because it gets, like, soft if there's, like, yeah, a scab or so something I'm in like, there. Oh, my God. But I think I'm it's got Well, it's hard for, like, wet places to heal. Right. Like, that's why they don't want dogs to lick their wounds. After yeah. Or surgery. people. Or people, yeah. Or you just, but, like, put a little hair dryer up there. Or some Neosporin, they said. Because that keeps it wet. Well, it still heals it, though. Oh. Because the issue is... We're talking about my damn nose. It's like it keeps opening, so you want to just keep yeah. it shut. But anyways, um, we just recorded a Patreon episode, so if you want to go listen to it, be a Patreon. You can go to our bio and our Instagram at Misery Manor Podcast and join our Patreon, or you can just go to Google and type in 
Misery Manor Patreon. We just did an episode over um, these medieval, torture, medieval devices. torture devices, medical experiments, tools, all kinds of things that'll make you go, oh, hell no. Yeah, there's a lot of blood. There's a lot of nasties, and it is very interesting. So be glad that you're born, not then. <laughs> Or you would have been on the Spanish donkey. Mm. Is was one of them. My thing was the thing up the butt. Yep. Through the boot. So if you want to hear it, come on over to our Patreon. We'd love the support. It means the world. All right. Well, let's get into our episode today. Is that you doing that? Yeah. That's it is. me. Okay. <laughs> so here's our episode today. This is a wild one. So get ready, mamas. So in 1970 long. <laughs> <laughs> In 1971, long before he ever met Charles Ng, Leonard Lake was in a very dark place and was dealing with many issues in his life. Okay, so whoops, I skipped ahead. I'm going to get to that in a minute. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was a recording again and no. I was going to leave. No, it was on the wrong. I'm going to get to that one in a minute. So, okay, so on this episode of Misery Manor, I'm going to start you off with a quote from our murder. Oh, which that's is, right. Which is Leonard Lake. So he said, quote, what I want is an off-the-shelf sex partner. He, and he confessed this in one of his home videos. Like an over-the-counter one? Yeah, well, however he can get it. He also went on to say, a slave. There's no way around it. Primarily a sexual slave, but nonetheless a physical slave as well. So on June 2nd, 1985, a man named Charles Ng was arrested in San Francisco hardware store for attempting to shoplift a vice. For those of you who don't know what that is, it is a tool with two jaws for holding something that, that like something in place. Yeah. Right? And like I said, it's the way I think of it. It's like if you glue like two pieces of wood or something, you can like clamp it. Right. It's like a clamp. Yeah. Exactly. And it like it has like tension. Exactly. So it would have been any ordinary arrest that the police were used to. However, these officers at the scene ended up getting a lot more than what they bargained for. So as they arrested Charles and took him into custody, a friend of his actually showed up to pay for the tool. That man was Leonard Lake. But as police took a closer look at Leonard, they began to catch on that Leonard might be involved in something far more sinister. So the investigation soon unraveled the horrific facts that Leonard, along with his accomplice Charles, had been quietly and horrifically torturing at least 25 people in a remote cabin in Calaveras County, California, for the past two years. And that was only the beginning of this story, and we're about to unravel the rest. So get ready, baby. Gumdrops. I'm ready. So in 1971, long before he ever met Charles Ng, Leonard, Leonard was in a very dark place and was dealing with many issues in his life. So Leonard had just been medically discharged from the United States Marine Corps following two tours of duty in the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. So during his last tour, he'd suffer a mental breakdown and later was diagnosed with schizoid personality disorder, okay. which that comes up in a lot of our cases. I know. How old was he? um 1970s so 20s yeah that's like when a lot of like i don't know about women but like men would be diagnosed as right. like their early 20s and they would a lot of them found out when they went off to the army oh. about this right so to preface 
Leonard had been showing signs of this disorder for many, many years leading up to the diagnosis, but this was just the first time that he made the effort to do something about it and the first time anyone has gotten close enough to him to be able to give him some sort of proper diagnosis. But like I said, the signs have been there for many, many years. In fact, ever since Leonard was a little boy, everyone who met him knew that there was just kind of something off with him. They just could not put their finger on quite what it was. They would often say like, oh, you know, he's just going through a phase or he's just going to grow out of it, but he never did. So let's talk about his childhood. So Leonard was born on October 29th, 1945 in San Francisco, California. Now he was often referred to as a bright child, but anywhere I looked, that was it. They never said anything else about him, just bright. What are you laughing at? <laughs> That's when the, the ranch dressing expires on October 29th. <laughs> Ew, you're weird. <laughs> she, Emily has a thing of ranch dressing right next to her. So after his parents divorced when he was six years old, he and his siblings moved in with his grandmother. And things were looking up for Leonard and his siblings, and his grandmother seemed to be supporting and very loving. So although love and stability is what these children so desperately wanted and needed, his grandmother seemed to turn a blind eye and enabled a lot of Leonard's off-the-charts behaviors, and this would raise, which would normally raise huge concerns yeah. for most people that saw these. So, for instance, one afternoon, Leonard's grandma walked in on him forcing his sisters to pose nude <gasps> for photographs that he was taking himself. Stop. So shocked and confused, she did nothing and instead just looked the other way. Later, Leonard progressed and he became obsessed with pornography and started forcing his younger sisters to perform sexual acts on each other and on him. So just like before, that. when he was confronted with this, or when she was confronted, like walked in on it, she just ignored it. Also, Leonard soon started getting very violent. He was caught by his grandma killing mice, birds, frogs, and other small animals and mm -hmm. dissolving them in acid. Oh, man. And then okay. again, she did nothing about it. Okay. It would, do you think she was scared of him? I don't know. I think she was just kind of like out of sight, out of mind. Like, I don't want to deal with it. What happened to his mom and dad? Divor Sorry. Divorce. And, and then they went to live and with... And they went to okay. go live with the grandma. Sorry. So with the lack of structure or punishment for these acts, Leonard was never reprimanded. And so he took these psychotic instincts and continued to evolve them into his future acts of horror, which we'll get into. So following his graduation from Balboa High School in San Francisco in 1964, as I mentioned earlier, Leonard enlisted in the United States Marine Corps. Like I said, after two tours um, as a radar electronic technician in Vietnam, Army medical tech stated that he had, quote, a delusional breakdown and he was discharged and quickly sent back home to seek further medical attention. However, he did not follow up with any medical attention and failed to seek the proper help that he was advised that he needed. Instead, Leonard discovered a hippie commune just outside of San Francisco. And after uh, talking with and hanging out with the community, he felt at home and found his happiness and he felt the best he's ever felt in his entire life. So he loved it. He called them his tribe. Oh. So Leonard then dropped out of college after one semester at San Jose State University to embrace the hippie commune in the blossoming free love lifestyle that was slowly taking over the American West Coast at this time. So this is the 1970s. 
So by 1975, it seemed that Leonard, uh, Leonard Lake had overcome his disturbing past and that his sick and twisted fantasies and desires were just something he outgrew, like kind of like everybody thought. Leonard settled down in the commune with the wife he'd met there, but before long, his new wife found out about his vile interests. His wife discovered that Leonard was making, directing, and appearing in homemade <laughs> amateur pornography films on the hippie commune. Okay. Now, this was not something that she was okay with, and she filed for divorce. With that, not only did his marriage come to an end, but his life at the hippie commune did as well. So they kicked him out. So while out of the commune, Leonard did spend a brief period in prison in 1980 after stealing a car. But despite these setbacks, Leonard managed to move into Greenfield Ranch, which was another hippie settlement in Northern California that focused on living off the land. Oh. While there, he met and married a woman named Clara Lynn Balls, but he just called her Cricket, so we're going to call her Cricket. Her last name was Balls? Balls, B-A-L-A-Z-S. Balls? Balls. But again, he called her Cricket, so we're going to call her Cricker. Cricket. <laughs> <laughs> and the two of them met at a Renaissance festival. Oh, God. So Cricket. Those are fun. So Cricket made Leonard happy in many ways, but particularly because she found his fantasies quite amusing. So when his first wife divorced him after finding out his pornographic hobby, Cricket accepted them, and she even began to star in the films herself. Hot. Leonard said this about his ideal woman, quote, The perfect woman is one who is totally controlled, a woman who does exactly what she is told and nothing else. There are no sexual problems with a total submissive woman. There are no frustrations. There's only pleasure and contentment. Cool. So Cricket is chirping all night long. (laughs) So for the next eight years, Leonard lived on the ranch with his wife and continued feeding into his deep, dark desires. After a while, as you know, people like this will continue to elevate their desires. And just like that, these amateur home videos were no longer enough to satisfy the desires that were brewing inside him. So by 1983, Leonard ditched the homemade porn videos and began to seek out and act on more sadistic fantasies. So Leonard wrote in one of his diary entries, quote, I'm a dangerous person. Society would be worried if they knew that I existed and what I was secretly up to. So at the time in the 1980s, most Americans had paranoia concerning a nuclear war. And Leonard Lake began to believe that the world was facing an impending nuclear holocaust. Now, this is just something that he had made up in his head, right? Okay. So in order to survive this, quote, impending disaster that he thought was going to happen, Leonard started to make a survivalist bunk right on the commune. Do you remember that show... um, Doomsday Doomsday Preppers. Preppers. I never watched it because that scares me. It scared me too, but I was so interested. But these people, kind of like Leonard. Remember the bald guy you told the story about? Yeah. That's what this reminds me of. That part, at least. So he made started making a survivalist bunker right on the commune. However, the owner of the Greenfield Ranch was not okay with these plans and then kicked him out. was like, you cannot do this here. Like, did they have to pay to live there? I don't know. That's what confuses me. But it kind of sounds like, right? So... Obviously, they got word that he was making a commune or making a like bunker is what he called it. So they kicked him out. So now he's just out and about. So but Leonard was not defeated by this because he quickly discovered that Cricket's family owned a cabin in the woods 
and they were actually more than happy to rent it out to them. They were like, yeah, come on. We never really use it. We just own it. Y'all can just pay us rent. Feel free to do, you know, whatever you need with it. And it was just kind of a lone cabin out in the middle of the woods. So finally, Leonard had the green light to continue and finish his plan. And boy, was he fucking ready. So as background, there's a novel called The Collector by John Fowles. Have you heard of it? The Bone Collector? Maybe The Bone, but it just says The Collector. Oh, no. So it tells the story of a woman named Miranda who is kidnapped and enslaved by a sexual psychopath. So Leonard Lake was a huge fan of this book and wanted to mimic as much of it as he could. So the fantasies that he derived um, allegedly inspired um, or from the book inspired him to do what he did which we're going to get into. So the collector was so influential to his life that Leonard named this project after the book's main character, Miranda, and he called it Operation Miranda. Wow. So Leonard, according to his diary entry, he would eventually turn this bunker project into a, quote, physical setting for my sexual fantasies, security for myself and my possessions, and limited protection from nuclear fallout. So basically, this bunker was going to protect him from nuclear fallout, and he could still have his sexual fantasies. Okay. It is also believed that shortly after moving into the cabin of his dreams, that Leonard invited his younger brother, Donald, and his friend, Charles Gunner, who had served as best man at his wedding, to cricket. So when they got married, he was his best man. I just can't imagine this man having a normal wedding, but okay. Right. Or like a typical... Yeah, so he invited Donald and his friend Charles, so his best friend Charles. No, Charles Gunner to this cabin, right? So whether they entered this bunker or dungeon willingly is unknown, but what is known to them is that they were killed there when they came (gasps) to visit. He killed his friends? He killed his best friend and his brother. So after their death- His friend's brother. Yeah, well, no, his so his brother and then his friend, Charles Gunner, who was his best man at his wedding- Oh my God. Okay. I'm confused whose brother it was, but it was his, oh, it was Leonard's brother. Yep. So after their deaths, Leonard stole all the cash that they had on them as well as their identification. And soon Leonard began to pose as Charles Gunner. So he just wanted to steal their ID. Where's Cricky? Cricky's with them. She didn't care? No, she knew about it. So these deaths did absolutely nothing to satisfy Leonard's desires. So in 1981, he posted an ad in a survivalist magazine looking for another victim. However, what he got instead was an accomplice by the name of Charles Ng. Now, Charles Ng was very similar to Leonard Lake. So although Charles was 15 years younger than Leonard, they had like kind of the same background. So as a child, Charles had developed a serious case of kleptomania, which is where you want to fire. No, um, steal things. Yeah. Becoming well known in his Hong Kong hometown as being a thief. So Charles eventually got expelled from British boarding school for stealing from his fellow students. However, he attempted to continue his education at the College of Notre Dame in California. Again, Similar to Lake's own past, Charles only lasted one semester after being involved in a hit-and-run accident, and then he joined the Marine Corps to avoid prosecution. However, that was short-lived, and he was dishonorably discharged in 1984 for desertion. Don't look at me. I don't know what that is either. I tried to Google, and I still did not understand. But that's what he got dishonorably discharged for. So in one of Charles's work chats, he said, quote, 
No gun, no fun. No kill, no thrill. Daddy dies, mommy dies, baby fries. Does that mean like shushing fries? Like, I think like set them on fire. Like fries. Ew. So, okay. So now let's go back to how Charles and Leonard met. So whether Leonard intended for Charles to be his next victim or whether he saw him as a young man that could help him, we don't know. But on, uh, but Leonard ultimately decided to invite Charles to live at their cabin in the woods. So with Charles and Leonard now living together and sharing the same sick and twisted fantasies, this was truly a match made in fork and hell. <laughs> so over the next year, Leonard invited Charles into his dark world of torture, rape, murder, and the deadly duo began their infamous killing spree and stole the identities of all of their victims and like stole all of their belongings too. So like horrible. They stole the identity of their victims so that they could take out loans under their name and continue to build up their torture bunker. So between 1983 and 1985, Leonard and Charles kidnapped, tortured, raped, and murdered between 8 and 25 people, mostly women, all inside of their bunker. So the scope of their crimes is still undetermined as the total of their, like, nobody knows the true total amount of their victims. I just don't understand where Cricket is. So Cricket's actually not involved in a lot of this. So a lot of the stuff that happened, she was not aware of. But she's living in this cabin. How big is this cabin? It's small. I'm going to post a picture. And three people are living there and someone's being tortured at all times. But I don't know if they actually live there. Because I'm going to get into what happened to her in the trial later. And you make your own assumption if she knew about it or not. But um, it is believed that they thought they would eventually need to repopulate the world after nuclear (laughs) war. So that's why they're gonna kill people. That's why they left. No, that's why they had a bunch of women in there so that they could rape them and get them pregnant if needed. Like what? Your whole your cabin's gonna be the only one alive at the end of this. So that just goes to show how mentally disturbed they are. So police remain unsure today as the true kill count as they have only found the remains of 12 people on their property and suspect there could be at least a dozen more, judging by the 45-pound collection of charred human bone fragments they found on the property, Mm. as well as the videotapes of the rape and murder they discovered on the property. So they um, videoed all of their stuff. Um, And we're going to get into those details in just a minute. So, but first, let's talk about the known victims that Charles and Leonard killed together, excluding donald and charles gunner who like i said was the brother and the best friend so on april 1984 we have jeffrey d astron who was 30 years old and lived in sunnyvale and he vanished from his community in uh, april of 1984. his late model honda automobile was found a few days later in the west point area of calabasas county near leonard's cabin automobile automobile car do you not know what that is? Yeah, I just have never heard you say automobile. So July 11th, 1984, Donald Galetti, who was 36, was a radio personality from San Francisco, California, was spending time in his apartment expecting a visitor. Donald was an openly gay man who lived with another gay man named Richard Carraza. Donald placed a personal ad in a low-key newspaper offering to give oral sex to straight men. Well... That night, a stranger came knocking on the door, and Donald assumed it was someone taking him up on his offer for the Glock Glock 5000. (laughs) (laughs) As soon as Donald opened the door, a man whipped out a pistol and shot him in the head at close range. 
Richard, his roommate, heard this and ran from the back room to study uh, from the study and found Donald on the floor. Richard was also immediately shot in the head and left for dead. The shooter fled, but thankfully Richard survived the attack. Richard called 911, and when the police questioned him, he was able to give a description of the shooter. Richard described being shot by a small Chinese man wearing prescription glasses, and after reviewing photos, Richard would go on to identify Charles Ng as the shooter. On July, But 20- he wasn't Chinese. He was from Hong Kong. Isn't that in China? Oh. Yes. Can we cut that out? <laughs> no. No, because I've looked stupid on this plenty of times. So on July 25, July 25th, 1984, Harvey Dubs, Deborah Dubs, and Sean Dubs. So, oh. sorry, Harvey was 29, Deborah was 33, and Sean was one, lived oh. in San Francisco, California in 1984. Harvey was selling video equipment in July of that year and placed an advertisement in a local newspaper. Deborah was speaking on the telephone to a friend on July 25th when the doorbell rang at their family's apartment. Deborah told her friend that she had to end the conversation as two men were interested in the items that had arrived at their home. Deborah, Harvey, and Sean had never been heard from again. Wow. One of the Dubs' families saw an Asian man leave their residence with a box later that day. The same neighbor observed an unidentified vehicle driving away from the Dubs' apartment on July 26, the day after the family disappeared. The neighbor attempted to follow the car, but she got lost in the vehicle. Uh, she lost the vehicle in traffic. A man identifying himself as Jim Bright called Harvey's employer shortly afterward and claimed that the family moved to Washington unexpectedly. Mm. The unidentified man terminated the conversation when Harvey's employer became suspicious. A receipt in Harvey Dubb's name was discovered at Lakes at Leonard's compound, but the family remains have never been rediscovered or recovered. It is believed that Dubbs was forcibly abducted from their home and murdered at the ranch. Now, this is sad. Videotape equipment from the Dubbs San Francisco home was found at Lakes Cabin. Um, no, so that gave them proof that they were there. But later I'm going to say, um, get into this more, but she, the wife, Debbie, was actually on one of the videos that they found there, like of them torturing her. Mm. So in October, the baby. Uh, so I'm going to get into that, but typically they didn't do anything to the babies. They would just shoot them and kill them. Like, Jesus. I mean, that's still horrible, but yeah. So October of 1984, Randy Jacobson, 36 of San Francisco, disappeared from his Ashbury rooming house after being involved in a business deal with Leonard. November 2nd, 1984, Paul Costner, who was 40, was last seen in San Francisco, California on November 2nd. He was employed by a used car dealer at the time of his disappearance. His gold or orange 1980 Honda Prelude disappeared with him. Paul had advertised the vehicle for a sale in a local newspaper and sold his uh, sold his fiance sold and told his fiance that he had found a potential buyer whom he described as very weird. He said he was leaving his apartment at 7:30 to meet the buyer and re- would return no later than eight to watch the television program with her that they did every night. He was never seen again, and Leonard was later arrested with Paul's car. On January 20th, 1985, Clifford Paranatu, who was 23, was employed at Dennis Moving Company in San Francisco, California in 1985. 
Witnesses told authorities that he often argued with one of his co-workers who was none other, none other than Charles Ng. Clifford was last seen in San Francisco on January 20th, and he has never been heard from again. Several of his personal belongings were discovered shortly afterwards in an apartment owned by Charles, as well as in the cabin where the dungeon were, was. On February 24th, 1985, Jeff Gerald, 25, was last seen in San Francisco, California on February 24th and has never been seen or heard from again. He worked during the day with Charles as a mover and spent uh, evenings playing drums for the band called Crash and Burn. He vanished in February after saying he was going to help Charles Ng move. So April 12th to the 19th in 1985 in San Francisco on April 12th, Kathleen Allen, who was 18, and her boyfriend Michael Carroll, 23, were spending time in a motel room when they were temporary uh, that they were temporary living in. At 10 p.m. at night, Michael told Kathleen that he had to go do something. It would be back in the morning. First of all, what you gonna go do something and be back in the morning? Where you going? That's what I wanna know. However, Michael never returned. A few days later, Kathleen received a phone call at work. The caller told her that her boyfriend, Michael, may have been involved in a shooting. She immediately told her boss that she had to leave. She was last seen meeting a bearded man in a parking lot of, of the Safeway where she worked. Kathleen, desperate for answers, got into the car and was never seen again. Kathleen appeared in the videotape found at Leonard's home and when her last paycheck was sent to the town right near his cabin. According to San Jose police, Michael was also mentioned in one of the videotapes. His driver's license was also found at the cabin. Jeez. So in April 19, 1985, Robin Scott Stapley, who was 26, who went by his middle name, lived in San Francisco with Lonnie Bond, who was 27, and his live-in girlfriend, Brenda O'Connor, who was 19, and their son, Lonnie Bond Jr., who was two. Mm. Now, Lonnie and O'Connor... Um, and Brenda did not like their neighbor, who was Leonard, oh, who claimed they said that he was extremely obnoxious, rude, and demented. But not the cabin neighbor. Like they no. weren't, because that's kind of That's secluded. what I'm starting to think. I think that they actually lived, like they had their dungeon at the cabin, but I don't think they lived there. Right? Yeah. Maybe at one time they did. Right. And it was just like he and Cricket. Right. So Leonard constantly fired weapons on his property and Brenda was fed up not to mention felt really uncomfortable because he would stop not stop shooting his gun out just in the front of the um driveway just start shooting his gun and she was like can you please fucking stop but every time she went out there he would say hey will you pose naked for me please so she was just fed up with him so on April 19th Robin um went up to him and was like you know what I'm going to say something. So they went up to her and confronted, went up to Leonard and confronted him about all this stuff and they were never seen from again. So Cala Calaveras County Sheriff Claude Ballard said investigators believe Brenda appeared in a videotape in which she was forced at gunpoint to perform sexual acts on both men. Now, those are the ones that we know for sure, right? But okay. there could be many, many more. And I keep mentioning these videotapes. So let's talk a little bit more about the murders and the conditions in which the, the people went under, which are very sad. So Charles and Leonard would hold both female and male victims in a six and a half by three foot cylinder block bunker, which is literally this, this closet that we're in. Okay. One person. Multiple, sometimes multiple at a time. Lined with the one-way mirror. 
which doesn't that mean they could see in, but the people inside the bunker could not see out. How do you obtain something like that? Girl, I have no... With only a bucket and toilet paper inside. So at least they gave toilet paper. Oh, that would be so... I would not be able to poop. No. So following the murders, Leonard would dismember and destroy the corpse of the victims by using a method he learned as a child, which dissolving them in various chemicals and acids. Then they'd sprinkle whatever remained of them throughout the acres upon acres of land that the cabin sat on. So when the police searched the cabin and found Leonard's belongings, police also discovered these videotapes that I keep referring to of Charles and Leonard torturing and raping their victims. In many of the videotapes, the partners were made to watch their wives sexually assaulted before they were both killed. So they never did anything to the men sexually, but the men did have to watch their wives, you know, leading up to their death. Wow. In one of the tapes, Charles is seen telling Brenda O'Connor, the lady that was mad that he kept shooting the gun, quote, The neighbor. You can cry and stuff like the rest of them, but it won't do you any good. We are pretty cold hearted, to say the least. And this guy's in his 20s? At this time, he's like in his 30s or 40s. Okay. So in another video, it, no, he's in his 40s. Yeah. Okay. So in another video, it revealed that Debbie Deborah Dubs was so violently sexually assaulted on tape that she could not have possibly survived the or- ordeal, like sodomized and just completely raped and beaten. And the, the investigators seeing the tape were like, there's no way she would have survived that. So they think that uh, that's how she died. How... So Leonard, right. So Leonard was also heard in one of his videotapes saying, quote, I want to be able to use a woman whenever and however I want. And when I'm tired or bored or not interested, I simply want to put her away, lock her up in a cell, get her out of my sight, out of my life. Okay, Leonard, like, what the fuck? Leonard Skinner. <laughs> what is that? A band. Oh. Horrible. I know. I'm curious to see why they were only proven to have murdered eight but they that clearly they... found more bodies right or what to make time to people yeah yeah so the men hogtied the various women forced them into uh oral sex and orgies or put leg iron or put in leg irons which i think is like a um like what is that girt not a gurney but that thing that like opens your legs for you like at the gynecologist yeah what is that called I don't know. A gurney? No, a gurney is like what you're put on when you're like going into an ambulance, like the stretcher thing. Okay. Well, they were put in leg irons. Let me look it up really quick. Please do. Oh. Is it like handcuffs? (laughs) Handcuffs. (laughs) Handcuffs for your legs. So the sex captives were aged anywhere between 12 and 20 something, sometimes (gasps) 30s. Okay, but, I mean, they killed small infants. Right. These are the sex captives. Oh. So, after investigators studied the women featured in the videos, only six of the women featured in these home uh, videos were ever, like, were ever found alive. So, some of them did survive. So, I want to know, 15 of them remain missing to this day. So, according... Were they identified in the videos? No. So they're identified in the, but like they can't find their bodies. Yeah. So they don't know if they're alive. They can, I mean, it, unless they have a body, right? They can't say, oh, yeah. this is, so 15 of them remain. So 15 of the women in the videos, nobody knows where they are. 
So according to Charles Ng's former cellmate in prison, Charles once bragged to him about sexually torturing and disfiguring women with a power drill and pliers. He told them that he used the pliers to rip off their nipples and their tongues and their teeth. Mm. He inserted a power drill attachment up their vaginas <gasps> and would shove big metal thick rods up their anuses and broke their knuckles with vice grips. So like crunch their knuckles and like huge metal rods and like laughed about it. I don't get it. The men were also known to have killed little children and men in at least two instances. Little men? Some little men. No. Little children and men. In at least two instances, they kidnapped and killed a family of three, which is the ones I told mm -hmm. you about. Lonnie Bond, Brenda O'Connor, and they had a two-year-old son together. So videotapes later found on the cabin property showed Leonard describing his desire for a slew of sex slaves. Um, and he said it in the most calm and relaxing way. Likely the murders and torture at the hands of Leonard Lake and Charles lasted only two years. And I say only two years because obviously it could have lasted a lot more. Yeah. But in 1985, thanks to that petty theft, the two killers were finally caught. Now, let's go back to the teaser that I said in the beginning of when they're trying to um, steal the vice. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. So on June of 1985, while on a trip into downtown San Francisco, Charles attempted to shoplift a vice from a hardware store. The clerk caught him doing this, grabbed him, and threatened to call the police. Charles panicked and called Leonard to make his way down there so they could just pay for it, right? Mm -hmm. And just kind of smooth the situation over. So Leonard got in his car, sped over to the hardware store, but by the time he arrived, so had the police. So when Leonard arrived to smooth things over, the police instantly picked up on Leonard's abnormal and weird behavior and began to question him. So things went from bad to worse for Leonard, and the police asked Leonard to hand over his ID. And Leonard was like, yeah, uh, sure, 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 here it is. However, when the police looked at his ID that they gave, they noticed that the photo looked nothing like him. It was quickly discovered that the man in the license was Scott Stapley. And to top it off, he had been missing for several months and was already on the police's radar. So the police continued to question Leonard in search his car police so wait a second hang on just to clarify his id had his picture but the other guy's name no it had the other guy's name and his the other guy's picture the picture looked nothing like him then so why like, would he have because he was just trying to use his um like information for whatever he could just like an id on him why didn't he have his own id because he's wanted Oh. Yeah, like he had petty theft stuff that he was doing. And obviously he's taking out loans under these people's names. So if he's going to take out a loan, he's going to have to know their information. I thought he like stole their identity. Well, pretty much. Like that's why he was going as that Charles Gunner dude. Yeah, I know. So that's why at first that's the name I thought you were going to say. And then I thought he just changed. I bet he, he would get whatever he could from that person. Once something caught on to it, he would switch over to somebody else. You know, mm -hmm. the more they abducted he was taking all their information okay or just doing it all at once you know mm -hmm. so um and scott staple who he was pretending to be was already on the police's radar and they're like you're not him so police continued to question leonard and searched his car the police found a gun equipped with an illegal silencer in the trunk of his car which was registered to paul costner which was also another missing man from san francisco and also on the police's radar oh so he has God. the car and the ID of two separate missing men, neither of which are his. So fortunately, the police did not need any more information to make an arrest. 
and the car and the gun were just enough. So Charles was also arrested too. So following their arrest, the police searched the uh, cabin slash dungeon and found several stolen vehicles as well as 40 plus pounds of crushed, burned human bones. But no one was there at the time. No mm. one was being held captive. Nope. So the trial and sentencing, um, sorry, authorities at the cabin also found treasure maps, which they called him, um, which Charles and Leonard called them, that led investigators to several buried five-gallon buckets. One was filled with enough stolen identification papers, credit cards, and personal belongings to lead police to believe that they had killed over 25 people. The other bucket was even more disturbing. Inside were dozens of pages of Leonard's personal journals and videotapes featuring the rape and torture of the women. Throughout this investigation, Leonard Lake knew that there was no way, oh, this part makes me so mad. So during this investigation, Leonard knew that there was no way that he was going to get out of this, right? He's like, right. there's so much, there's so much stuff that they're going to find. So before he was arrested that day, Leonard had actually sewn cyanide pills into the lining of his clothing. So while in custody, the coward swallowed several of them and died before he could even face any of the charges. Wow. What a. However, Charles did not think that far ahead and instead faced trial for 11 counts of murder. Now, let's talk about Cricky. Now, Cricket cooperated with investigators and received legal immunity from any sort of prosecution. Hmm. Court records stated that Cricket turned over weapons and other material to authorities during the investigation. Okay. Cricket has been expected to sh was expected to shed light on what happened inside that mountain cabin that her parents owned. Um, but she didn't say much. They didn't need it because of all of the evidence. Like usually they were like, oh, she can tell the story of what happened, but they had so many videotapes that she wasn't really needed to say much. Okay, that makes sense. In 1999, Charles was sentenced to death by lethal injection and remains on death row today. Jeez. He is in the San Quentin State Prison today. Yeah. Hmm. And that, that is it, honey. Cricket's still chirping. And he's still alive on death row, though. So if you go to meetaninmate.com, maybe you can find him on I there. I still want to submit something I to do see too. how it goes. And then we have, like... Um, well, I'll, can we use your address? Do you have to put your address? They got to mail you somehow. Oh, I thought they were just going to like email us. Well, they call it like J-Pal or something like that. Well, I just want to do it. We'll make up a fake thing. And then we'd have like a inmate. Oh, there's no day of the week that starts with I. Inmate update. <gasps> no. Is that bad? Why? Okay, it's let hilarious. us know if we should start emailing. <laughs> Mailing. No, but maybe we can find a friend. I guess. Maybe that is mean. It's kind of mean if we're not doing it with good intention. Maybe somebody really needs a friend. We'll find one. Anyways. Yeah, so that's the story of Leonard. Did I say Leonard at all during this? No, you said okay, Leonard good. the whole time. I just want to say Leonard for some reason. So Leonard Lake and Charles Ng. I mean, he was just... Why is it just Leonard Lake? I mean, the episode should be Leonard Lake and Charles Ng. Well, right. I mean, like, we know more about Leonard's background, but yeah. Charles is just as freaking guilty. Yeah. Serial, I mean, they're and, both serial killers. Yeah. Together. No, I'm going to, I'm going to change the title on this. At first, when I was doing, when I saw this, I was like, ooh, it's going to be an episode about a haunted lake. That's what I thought it was going to be. No, yeah. Leonard Lake. I've no. never heard of this. Oh, finally. 
Never. You've done one before I've never heard of. Yeah, Seth Jackson. Yes. <laughs> what was the one-liner in that one? The there... one-liner? Yeah, there was some weird... Know, that was almost 100 episodes ago. We haven't even done 100. I know. That's why I said almost. Do you know what that word means? <laughs> All right, guys. We'll have a lovely, lovely, lovely week. And if any of y'all would like these haunted books that we have... Cody's moving. He's just throwing shit away. Well, do you want them? I mean, I guess. We'll figure it out. But if y'all want a haunted book, let us know. We have plenty. We'll give you one. If you're a Patreon. All right, guys. We'll have a lovely, lovely rest of your day. Um, share, rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your family about this podcast. We would love to welcome new people. Kisses. Hugs. Love. Stitches. Stitches. Bye. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.